Yeah, um, talking to Wojtek Ripka today, he's a um, specialist in socialism, totalitarian regimes, and yeah, history and political science. He studied that and been in that field most or all of his careers, published a lot of articles, been involved in a lot of different projects, and, and um, yeah, specialized in this this topic. And uh, we we talked about you know history and and how it's perceived and and how it's being used or not used uh, and why it's important to to recall and and record history and 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 to use it to kind of how we yeah to view the world today and 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 how in some cases history is we're trying to cancel history because it's uncomfortable um, it often shows the brutality of of humanity and and people and. Uh, and it can often be things that yeah people find offensive and and things like that we discussed a little bit how how debate or political debate and historical debate can be um suppressed uh because of yeah people being emotional about something that it, the, the, which are historical facts and uh, <coughs> uh yeah and and uh, how that affects what is happening now we 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 talked about uh, the conflict between Russia and Ukraine, and uh, and how how that has how the public opinion, let's say, and the media opinion, and 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 the mainstream corporate opinion has has jumped really over to the side of of supporting Ukraine, whether that is correct um, or whether that's morally the right thing to do. Um, are there some things that the Ukraine has to? Maybe come clean on. Um, are we in the West? Are we able to understand Russia and Putin? Have we somehow contributed to this happening by by kind of pushing Russia to the edges all the time? Um, and uh, and also, you know, in in some way, did we did we tell Ukraine that we're going to take care of you, going to let you into our unions and our our defense mechanism? But then, when the old boyfriend Putin showed up at the dance, then we kind of ran away. Um, so that was an interesting talk and an and interesting get Wojtek's take on this. I mean, he, he he lives here in the Czech Republic, so he has specialized in, in this region, um, but he's also been living in England and, and other places abroad. And, and uh, so, yeah, he has a very good insight into the, the geopolitical situation here and, and how it affects us. And, and right now, obviously, in the Czech Republic, we have a lot of refugees and, uh, and our system has so far exploded and what we're seeing already is a little bit of a hint towards nationalism that people are coming out and saying okay well, why are we taking care of all these refugees we, we can't take care of our own people and and yeah we don't really see what the consequences of this will be will the war escalate will it become worse is there a good way out or are our, all options out of this bad so that was an interesting talk um, so check out uh, his his pages um, HistoryLab.cz and uh, SocialismRealized.eu. Um, the sponsors that is uh, Alfred Jobs, Alfred.cz. That's a job portal where you can find your n next job. Um, the great thing about Alfred is that you're anonymous, so that you are basically searching without anyone knowing. It's not like a CV database where you're uploading your information. You create a profile, but that's yours. You only then become visible to the jobs that you apply for and you can apply with one click you can filter and set up a job watch so that you see only the jobs that are uh, in interesting to you and you don't have to browse through thousands of other jobs or hundreds of other jobs that are not relevant to you you can see the salaries that they offer you can read about the companies and you can apply 
And um, so basically, if you have a job, but you're kind of thinking about moving around, then you don't want to invest the time of two, three hours a day looking, Alfred kind of does that job for you. And Alfred is available in the Czech Republic, that's alfred.cz, and then in Iceland, alfred.is, and then in Malta, alfred.com.mt, and also in the App Store, Alfred Jobs app. Um, and then it's the Oat Bar in Prague, which sells healthy food made from healthy ingredients, oatmeals and skir, and uh, they have amazing stuff. They're always coming with something new. Um, they have different themes based on what is in season. Um, it's a very honest concept with um, no nasty, no shortcuts. Everything is everything that they can make in-house and by hand, they do. And they make it fresh every day. Um, obviously, it's become very popular. It has very high ratings on all the um, you know, Google and TripAdvisor and whatever rating services people are using to, to rate restaurants. And uh, yeah, it's a, a perfect stop stopping place if you're traveling through Prague. You, you know, a lot of people are already coming to the Old Bar as a destination to, to visit Prague. And, uh, you know, it's cool. People go to the castle and the bridge and then the Old Bar. Um, it's, a, it's a monument. And uh, they also are available for delivery. Uh, you can download the apps on your phones here called Bolt and Walt and then you get the food sent. Super easy to use, very reliable service. And and uh, Or you just drop by on Cypher Tower 21 in Siskov. Um, opposite that is a statue of Winston Churchill, um, which is interesting to see, and a park nearby called Regrow Society that has amazing views over the city and the castle. So check out the Old Bar Prague on social media. So, Wojtek Ripka, welcome to my bunker. How are you? Uh, fine, thank you. Yeah, Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. Um, we are here. I, I reached out to you. You, you have a, a, a page or a, a Twitter account and a web page called uh, Socialism, Real, Socialism Realized. Yes, that's right. We have set up it uh, with uh, three or four other people some six years ago. Mm. And what is that about? What's the... What's the purpose of it? Uh, well, there are two purposes, actually. Uh, first and foremost, it's a uh, an online learning environment, uh, a noble word for uh, an online app mm-hmm. uh, that uh, should allow uh, people from outside the ex-socialist or post-socialist world uh, to give them some... Uh, pieces to reflect upon and understand uh, the life uh, that uh, used to look like uh, in Czechoslovakia, but uh, all over the post-socialist world mm-hmm. uh, during the communist times. Yeah. And and uh, and is, the, is it based, because then you have another, you're involved in another project called HistoryLab.cz, which is... Um, is it based on the same philosophy that you're kind of collecting data into a database and then connecting and categorizing it, right? Or uh, Well, actually, uh, at our Department of Education at the Institute for the Study of Totalitarian Regimes, where I uh, work and... Uh, Can you say this again? The, at <laughs> studies of totalitarian regimes. 
Uh, yeah, <laughs> I wanted a big to theme worldwide. <laughs> I, I wanted to uh, say it uh, uh, in a single sentence, but uh, and even I am sometimes doing uh, some mistakes because the name is not really intelligible and uh, and quite hard to pronounce and and so on. Mm. So it's the Institute for the Study of Totalitarian Regimes, an agency set up by the Czech government some 13 years ago. And it is here to study uh, and do research into uh, what uh, has happened mostly in Czechoslovakia uh, uh, during the Nazi occupation and during the uh, communist uh, uh, regime mm. uh, from 48 to 89. But actually, uh, we more specifically are doing uh, uh, historical education there. And uh, quite uh, uh, early on, we have found out that it doesn't really make sense to separate repression or separate uh, some specific period uh, of 20th century. And it's rather uh, much more productive uh, to uh, get sense of the 20th century as such. So that, that's what we are doing. And uh, the, the main philosophy, to come back to your question, what uh, is mm. the difference, is to empower students. Uh, the students uh, should not uh, be like densely lectured about something, uh, given uh, opinions either from historians or from the teacher, uh, but uh, should be given uh, a food for thought, uh, should be working themselves mm. and should be... Uh, co-creating the knowledge they have should be posing questions should be able to like do something actively so uh, there are some things that uh, remain the same these principles remain the same uh, throughout the time uh, but uh, uh, socialism realized is uh, uh, low threshold and doesn't have such a big ambition as history lab because mm. history lab should be some analytical space uh, for history education uh, of the whole 20th century uh, for like, well, primarily uh, Czech kids, whereas uh, socialism realized is Focused topic on specific topic. Yeah, yeah. And, and for uh, foreigners. So uh, the uh, primary sources we are working with, which could also include even featured films and so on, mm. uh, Uh, at Socialism Realized are accustomed, uh, tailored for uh, people that really don't know anything and are not going to and So that's what you mean by low threshold? Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was I was playing around with it and 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 it's an interesting guys. Check check that out. Socialism Realized dot e u right? Yeah. Uh, because you can basically let's say take a theme like. Uh, Socialism or communism effect on family life between 1950 and 1960, and then what you get is you get articles, you get might get news clips, you might get so you actually you can kind of pick your theme and pick your time period on how the communism affected society from business to private life to education, etc. Right, and see relevant information about that. There are not made by you, but this these are gathered historical information, right? Yes, but uh, first thing is uh, that it's not just about topics, it's also about perspectives. Mm. So uh, you uh, have to actively choose a perspective uh, by 
choosing it, uh, it shows you through the architecture of the website that uh, history is always, or the past is always perceived through some perspective. Mm -hmm. But by choosing it, you make it like an act of will, mm -hmm. right? And uh, so we may choose a perspective of the ideology uh, or the perspective of uh, uh, normal kind of everyday life out of politics or the perspective of dissidents. And then uh, the pieces of uh, primary sources, uh, such as documents or um, pieces of art or anything, uh, are presented with a very short introduction, really short one, and with a set of questions. Mm -hmm. uh, what uh, the user should do is pose these questions like to the material, mm -hmm. uh, not to himself or to some scholarly text, but to the material. Mm -hmm. uh, starting with what's happening in the film clip, what is the basic idea uh, uh, in, the, in the text, mm -hmm. who wrote it, why, what mm -hmm. could be the target audience, and only after that get some sense. Mm -hmm. So we are not against uh, opinions uh, or value-laden opinions, uh, but first we think uh, some work has to be done in order to have the opinion somehow grounded. But that's uh, because that that's an interesting thing and it also <clears throat> made me think when I was browsing your pages uh, and I, I, yeah, I've been following you on Twitter for a while and I found this very fascinating because obviously living here in Prague, um, there is there is a very rich history. I mean, they have a museum of communism here that is very fascinating. I mean, it's a horrible story and a lot of negative stories, but it's it's a very kind of dominating thing here. And now with the invasion into Ukraine from Russia, it kind of it's it's it it brings some flashbacks, you know. And I think you know I've been communicating with my my family in Iceland and I've been, my friends in Denmark and and places that I've lived before. And I think that we here or people who live here, they it's it's much closer to them somehow and. And the fact that it's Russia makes it uh, amplifies it, and 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 then yeah, and then I, w I was thinking about like we we tend to want to ignore often the negative history, or and I see that very much in 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 a lot of on a lot of topics that you know when people are removing statues and 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 they they. I don't know, in Germany, if you read through Allianz uh, history, the, the chapter from 1935 to 1945 is, is two pages. The rest is super big, you know, like, so people are trying to edit history somehow. Is that something that, you know, like, I don't know, that you... Yeah, sure. Uh, I wanted to pick up on, on two things you, you've said. Uh, one thing is the, the editing, and the other is the closeness. So let me start with, uh, with the closeness. Mm. Uh, uh, Yes, uh, that's one of the principles we uh, try to put forward both through History Lab uh, but also through uh, Socialism Realized is uh, to uh, find some uh, clues or uh, uh, situations and topics uh, with which uh, today's youth or even adults might connect to uh, through their life experience. Mm. So that's why we're speaking about life and we uh, tend to uh, use a lot of material from schools or from like uh, intergenerational 
uh, conflict, things that are like normal part of life uh, in uh, Europe and the United States uh, uh, in English-speaking countries. Uh, and to try to show something that uh, uh, the users might connect to. So, well, I'm having some trouble with uh, being on the same page with my parents or I'm trying to get a job and uh, there's a uh, better paid one, but I might be quite obedient and uh, it might not be that much fun and uh, I have to sacrifice something. So these are, for instance, or in school, uh, 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 the, the institution of school is uh, a lot about power. Mm -hmm. But the power is played uh, in a bit different way uh, in today's United States uh, and uh, as it was in 1970s in Czechoslovakia. So we are trying to connect somehow, uh, use the previous knowledge or, and understanding of the world of, uh, of users, uh, if you have a look at uh, a photograph of uh, a uh, school in uh, uh, a class in 1950s, uh, yeah. most probably will be able to get a sense of who is the teacher and who are the pupils, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, very banal, but mm -hmm. it's a very good starting point uh, because you already have made some sort of analytical step and then... Uh, you might find uh, the the differences, but also things that might be similar. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, one big topic, uh, uh, topics that are suppressed in uh, public discussion or in school, things you don't speak about. Mm. Uh, there obviously are s such. And, uh, why, why, what, what are these and why? Uh, what are these today? Mm. Well... Uh, uh, you, you mean today in with the Czech Republic or United States? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I think if we if we take for example here, are there are there any topics that would not be popular in the education system somehow or, or within universities? In the U.S., it seems that for me it, that seems have gone very radical um, uh, based on what I see. I mean, I'm not there, and I, it's it's hard to judge it from the distance and. But it's, it looks to me that, that there there is some doctrine or there, there is indoctrination or whatever you call going on in American universities to some extent, you know? Well, I suppose uh, there always is some prevailing uh, like general doctrine, mm. uh, but it might not be uh, that uh, repressive, mm. that, that uh, closed. Uh, and... Uh, I suppose, for instance, today, uh, to give a particular example, uh, it would be very impolite, seen as something crossing all the borders uh, to uh, be for uh, the Russian invasion uh, in uh, into Ukraine in school. Mm -hmm. And Here. yes, mm -hmm. and. Uh, I don't want to say that uh, it's something that uh, should be uh, uh, nurtured and uh, uh, given uh, enormous space, but suppressing uh, the, the the idea uh, uh, the students have. Yeah, if you want to somehow cultivate or uh, work with uh, what the people 
people, the students uh, bring together in the classroom, then you have to hear them, even mm. though it's uh, inconvenient, yeah, un yeah. <laughs> uncomfortable. And that applies kind of generally. Uh, but there definitely are strict limits about uh, you know, violence and rudeness and so on. But a number of others we uh, may not even be uh, fully aware of uh, when uh, mm. uh, trying to think about it. But isn't that like the... the um, because I think like... Uh, I, I was recording here the other day and, and, and on that... On that episode, I told the the guy that was visiting me that I read Hitler's biography. There was this British historian that wrote this biography. It was a very interesting reading because it gave a very deep perspective on Germany, what caused this, how, and I mean, obviously, just from one one person who wrote it, but he collected a lot of. And and I felt when I said this that I felt, oh shit, people are gonna think that I'm a Nazi because I read Hitler's biography. And f first of all, most people in the world would think that that's Mein Kampf. But it's not Mein Kampf. Mein Kampf is a book that he wrote. That's not his bio. And and and. But if I would have said this 20, 30 years ago, nobody would have blinked an eye. It would just have been a normal thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this guy is interested in history and wants to understand the world. And I, I, I'm wondering about this in terms of history in general that we are trying somehow to ignore, or or falsify, or 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 not discuss certain things. And then taking other things and making them something maybe that they're not, and 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 I think it's that's not that's not science, or you you know what I mean? Because if you start messing with the data and the facts, and and to to get the outcome that you want that doesn't I don't know piss off anyone or offend anyone, then we're on the wrong way, right? Definitely. Uh, you're more perhaps speaking about memory or memory history, mm. as it is usually called. Mm. Uh, but still, uh, uh, I, I, I get your point and uh, completely agree. The only thing I would add is uh, history by like historiography, writing of history is always some Biased. sort of yeah. uh, uh, editing, uh, choosing and so on. Uh, and the the idea of like honest uh, research is to uh, open uh, at least some of the decisions you have made mm. yourself mm. to criticism uh, and also use some set of tools that are uh, reasonable. But is that possible in this day and age when everybody lives in a silo of social media where they, they familiarize themselves only with um, people who share the same opinions. And and it's it's really, really interesting, for example, on, on this Twitter platform, which I've only been active there for like a year or something. And um, there, there are people there, for example, I have this one guy that is, is um, um, he has like 700,000 followers or something. And he's He's blocking people because they disagree with him, and I'm I'm thinking like, come on, you know, be bigger than this, you know, like if you if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. But then when I write, I wrote and said, listen, you you shouldn't block people. You just ignore them if you disagree with them or whatever, or, or maybe they will say one day something that makes sense, you know. And he wrote me back and said, no, 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 we we block, and everybody jumped on me and said, no, no, of course you block them, you block them. And I said, that's the fastest way to zoom, you know, like you because then you're just 
you're surrounding yourself with yes people. And then if this, if you're saying, because you're saying, okay, I, w- I, w- I want to know history to, to challenge my views or to add to my understanding and maybe it will change my view or maybe confirm it, whatever. Isn't that really difficult now when people really sit with, I know best, uh, it's confirmed by all the people around me and I don't want to be challenged and I don't want to be offended? It is. Um, I'm not entirely sure to what extent this is something completely new uh, brought uh, by the social media. media. Mm-hmm. Uh, these echo chambers, uh, I suppose they have been there for all the time or most of the time. Uh, but w- what I find uh, uh, kind of new about perhaps even our approach is uh, that uh, we tend to find... Uh, the uses of history, the way uh, history is being circulated uh, also uh, on social media as a very legitimate topic for uh, history education at schools. And to some extent, schools, even though they are not the most influential uh, source of historical imagination, still uh, have the unique role. Uh, Perhaps in schools, And it's some saying uh, from Northern Ireland we tend to uh, look uh, up to uh, when it comes to pedagogy uh, because they uh, have gathered a great insight in torn uh, society with uh, a big internal conflict uh-huh. and and try to uh, think uh, about how to put these combative people together uh, for some history lessons. That's interesting. And what uh, uh, what they are saying is, uh, let's be uh, honest about the uh, possible uh, goals. Mm. I mean, uh, the possible goal of uh, like changing everyone's mind uh, based on um, uh, what uh, scholars or the primary sources are saying is impossible. But at least. Uh, Uh, having a an opportunity to uh, encounter different points of view uh, in school, both from uh, the classmates, from the teacher, but also from history, mm-hmm. uh, is very valuable. And it might be the last time for some of the people to uh, so intensely and in a structured way have uh, a debate and yeah, yeah, yeah which yeah. is actually an interesting thing. I, 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 but you when you say that because I, I, I read somewhere that 70% of Americans, for example, they don't read one book after they graduate from school, not one, their whole life, and that's that's cr- for me that's crazy because I, w- I would always. I'm I'm always been curious and I'm seeking information. Obviously, they can consume their information somewhere else. They might watch documentaries or or, or I don't know, read magazines or audio books or something like that. But it's it's a it's an interesting point that you made. I hadn't thought about it like that. That that school is this platform where you actually you're not choosing the people that you're around there. They are just there because they signed up for the same course or the same education. So you you should actually rather use it. Than, than to suppress it, which I think is a little bit what's happening, that they are trying to avoid that anybody gets offended. Yeah, uh, we are also using the term safe, but not safe uh, space, but mm-hmm. rather safe environment, mm-hmm. uh, which the scholars from uh, the Northern Ireland uh, mm-hmm. or Republic of Ireland use uh, use a lot. 
uh, where you open uh, a uh, limited and structured space for uh, even very controversial uh, mm. points of view mm. uh, and uh, try to give food for thought to contemplate upon uh, their own views. Mm. Uh, not to uh, have the idea of uh, straightforwardly changing them, uh, which even wouldn't be that democratic, mm. I would say, or liberal. But it's... it's um it's um, um, now we call anyone who wants to have that, or yeah, well, we found the word conspiracy theorist, that that, or or Trumpist, or a misinformation spreader, or or anti-vaxxer, or whatever. I mean, we we created all these words that are kind of like having an ace up your sleeve for every dialogue. You can just slam this on the table, and then you don't even need to talk to that person, and that person is not worthy of your time or your ideas or thoughts or anything like that. And and it's um. um it's uh why why did I come with that? Because I think yeah, I think that with this we actually um kind of create a vanilla world in a way that that then can kind of sneak up on us in, in, in some way because um it's not like a you know, when we see that now with Russia invading Ukraine, it's you know, these things can happen. And we were discussing here before we we started recording. I mean, it's it's what twenty years since the war ended in Yugoslavia. Uh, I mean, and then apart from this, because you know there have been tons of wars and America behind all of them over the last ten, twenty, thirty years, which you know we just we just accept them somehow, but they just haven't been this close to us somehow culturally and and geographically. And uh, and I'm thinking like if we if we're trying to with suppressing opinions or suppressing ideals and 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 yeah editing history are we trying to kind of make ourselves actually look better than we are as humans you know are we are we trying to deny the fact that we are greedy we are selfish we we want for our family before anybody else and uh, and at the same time we are guilt feeling guilty about i don't know spoiling the planet or whatever uh perhaps and i would add uh that uh, thinking that uh, all the cultures are the same and there's uh, some common uh, sense of uh, freedom and uh, liberalism and rule of law all around the world only uh, shed for a time by propaganda would be quite uh, inaccurate, I mm -hmm. suppose. Arrogant. Uh, Arrogant as well. So applying this to uh, you know, today's Russia, uh, there's a lot of uh, discussions about collective guilt, right? Mm. To what extent uh, are uh, like normal Russians uh, that are not directly a part of this Vyrhushka around Putin, to uh, what extent should we blame them? Mm. Uh, and uh, this idea of uh, impossibility to use collective guilt uh, is kind of nonsensical in, mm. in some sense. Like all these uh, uh, sanctions are based on some sense of collective guilt. Mm. And uh, to say that collective guilt is impossible uh, to suppress uh, any idea is also impossible doesn't make sense because it it's very far from the the real world and uh, even wouldn't ever work. Mm. Uh, so I would say that 
trying to understand Russia honestly, uh, you cannot come to the conclusion that it's just a matter of uh, uh, some propaganda uh, coming for uh, four years uh, from uh, the, the media. Mm -hmm. There's no uh, kind of internal sources uh, Putin now uses. Mm -hmm. He's deceiving some of the people, but mm -hmm. some of the people just honestly support them, uh, him, and you, you cannot uh, blame it on some false uh, mm -hmm. consciousness. I remember actually because I think like uh, um, I mean a few things about this. I mean uh, I, I, uh, as an example of so so in Iceland we had a massive financial crash in 2008 and. Uh, and we had exposed our economy and our currency to like great dangers and uh, um and that and and we we did wrong i mean i'm not saying we did wrong criminally which i think a lot of people would claim though but i i'm not i'm i'm, I'm not convinced about that i think that was yeah i think when you're in trouble uh, you know um Emergency breaks law, you know, like you, you, you kind of have to do. You might have to cut corners to try and save things. And and if these people who are trying to save it would have saved it, they would be. We would have statues of them now. We wouldn't call them criminals, but because they didn't manage them, they became the 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 fall guys. And what was interesting then is that I think everybody can agree. Okay, Iceland took too much risk. They took too much loans. They were expanding too much and buying too many businesses all around the world and blah blah. But we then. <laughs> Even if the regular Joe in Iceland knew this, that we did wrong, when the the British, they, they actually imposed the terrorist law legislation in Iceland and froze Icelandic banks and everything. And, and they had never used it on anyone outside of countries that I think people would typically think of as terrorist countries. But they used it on Iceland. And uh, and and Danish nation was very and Danish economists and politicians were very critical. Some of the Scandinavian nations didn't want to help us, didn't want to give. Us, and Russia wanted to give us a loan, and the Faroe Islands and Poland and some some countries that you never expected. Even if we knew we were wrong, just because they turned against us, those people, even if we knew we were wrong, we started hating them. And that's the thing. Like um, you can, like. Russia, Putin can create enemies out of us to his people. That's for sure, and with and I don't think that those sanctions are necessarily gonna be if they if they last for a long time, which they tend to do usually when they put on. It takes ages to get them off. Um, they're gonna turn the people against them, you know, like uh, not against necessarily Putin, but actually against the rest of the world. And and I think we, I don't know, we have always somehow kept. Russia on the margins. We keep them in the freezer all the time. And Joe Biden said, I think in a piece in 1999, he said something that as soon as NATO and, and EU starts expanding into the Baltics and, and closer, we will have trouble. And what, what are we doing? We, we're there, you know? So, I don't know. I mean... Right. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, usually quite skeptical to, like, uh, uh, taking too much... Uh, Burden or giving too much burden on on uh, history or history education, uh, being uh, like like the teacher for today. Mm. Uh, but when it comes to the the differences, I mean, people in other cultures are very different, thinking very differently. Mm. Uh, uh, this could be uh, kind of sensed or 
sort of experienced ones trying to understand people in the past. People in the past took decisions based upon what they knew and uh, what were their values. And usually they were very different, even 40 years ago. So uh, some tools to, to understand and some distance between uh, like what we call presentism, like ev everything is like us and, and like today, uh, is quite a useful lesson. Mm. But, uh, but I, I, I think one of, one of the shocks around this um, um, invasion and, and this conflict um, is that, as I said, it's close to us somehow, you know, it's like we are here like 800 kilometers from the border and, and you know, we have a history here in the Czech Republic with Russia and Poland has and the Baltics and everybody, every anyone within 1500 kilometers from Russia has a history with Russia one way or the other, you know. But that's what happens when you have a superpower. I mean, a superpower like America has a big influence on Canada, Mexico, and, and Central America. But um, um, I think I, I kind of felt like the shock was for a lot of people um, that are here, and 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 a lot of people like uh, in other countries that are not so close. Maybe it's like war could never happen again. W war in Europe was unthinkable. But why would that be? I mean, this is the, yeah, apart from, you said, 20 years ago, Yugoslavia, right? And mm -hmm. then, but this is the longest peaceful p period in Europe forever, right? I mean, since recorded history. Right, not, not to get out of your question or remark, but uh, one thing I've uh, heard uh, coming as a question, uh, both in Czech schools, but... Uh, in other parts of the of Europe, because we are in in uh, interconnected with uh, colleagues in in France, Germany, uh, Netherlands, uh, England, and so on, and we have had uh, some sort of not emergency, but uh, a, a meeting uh, last week mm. to discuss how uh, people are coping with uh, uh, the invasion in in uh, history education classrooms. And one uh, particular question uh, caught my mind. Uh, because uh, they were the, the pupils were asking, uh, what is the difference between the war in Syria, mm. the refugee crisis in mm. Syria, and Ukraine? How come and is it right mm. uh, that we make differences between refugees from Syria and refugees from Ukraine, or at least? what would be the reasons why. And I think you have uh, come up with a number of reasons why mm. this is much more imminent uh, and more strongly felt, uh, mm. uh, at least here in, in Central Europe. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I somehow, <coughs> I, I, I feel that it's it's in some way an arrogant, I, I agree with in that way that I think we're, well, to be honest with that, I think we're just showing our real colors. We are tribe. We're tribal people. We 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 kind of define ourselves from our closest wife, husband, parents, siblings, uh, relatives, uh, town, school, and then the layers just grow and grow. And then there are some people who are on layer fifteen, and we just don't give a shit about. But we don't want to say it because it makes it look bad and it makes it look inhumane people like i i would say it because i trust that the people who know me th that i'm a good person still, though but i can't give the same care to someone who is in seven tribes away from me but i can give 
a certain level of care to someone who is three tribes away from me. I don't know, you know, like, and I and I think, I think that we have now in this age of guilt started to try to decorate ourselves with that that we're super humane, that we really really care, but actually we're just buying ourselves some peace because a lot of the things we're doing, if we if we really cared for people who are suffering in the world, we would we would stop buying telephones or we would, you know, pay more for towels in IKEA or or whatever it is that 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 is being made. And so I think what and I I see this as you're saying, I see how Czech Republic with all due respect went from not really liking Ukrainians to loving them in just two days. Yeah, sure. Uh, I I would add uh, that it's also like intellectual dishonesty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, now most of the people wouldn't like to discuss uh, to what extent and how exactly the democratic order in Ukraine looked. Before, or looks. yeah, or looks, yeah. Uh, but with with these like big ideas such as equality and uh, democracy, uh, a lot of dishonesty uh, comes <laughs> aboard, I would say. So uh, these ideals of uh, the democratic liberal uh, order, uh, we we have to be uh, more honest and uh, and more realistic about it. Uh, um, while not getting completely cynical. Uh, so some basic ideas, for instance, uh, uh, the American political scientist uh, Dahl uh, spoke rather about polyarchy. Mm. Uh, more people, uh, changes of government, uh, and so on. Some basic principles, uh, Schumpeterian democracy, mm. uh, minimal uh, uh, minimal definition of democracy rather than the the uh, very ambitious one which is not fulfilled anywhere actually mm-hmm. but in our in our in our minds we think we probably all think we live in a perfect democracy you know like mo- most countries in the west would probably think that they do but i don't i think and i think actually this covid showed us that we don't because there was a lot of there was a lot of um um how do you say it um big decisions made in a non-democratic way like then they were made by institutions like global institute like the world health organization that we do, we don't vote these people we don't and and i see being from a from a small country like iceland which <coughs> takes pride in being part of an international organization like that it's a big thing for us you know and like and also for the politicians involved because they get to go on these nice trips and they you know they stay in nice it's it's a prestige thing you know and and if 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 someone from Iceland would speak at a conference from the World Health, you know, we we pee our pants and we put it in the papers, you know. So, but that organization is not elected. They adopt some policy on, uh, let's say, I don't know, vaccinations or COVID response or something like that, and then we just adopt that without. And 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 the justification is always we have to because we're part of this global community, and if we want to be part of that, we have to do what they say. So we, I think. What I realized and what I really saw now is that we have moved. The decision making is not necessarily taken by the people we elected. It's further and further away from us. So I don't think that we live in perfect democracies, you know, in 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 this sense, you know. 
Yeah, but it's uh, very important to uh, stick to some of the very basic, tenable, mm-hmm. doable principles. Then, uh, not to uh, try to be like completely uh, cynical, h- hyper realistic, and and just uh, think about power. But also because when you think about power, Czech Republic is not making any decisions <laughs> whatsoever, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What are they made for? I mean, is it the EU, the European Union, that makes decisions for us? I mean, like who? Or, or do you feel that polit- politics here are not functioning? Mm, that would be too broad question to uh-huh. uh, to answer. Uh, but uh, what I meant by not uh, taking big decisions mm. is uh, that uh, uh, the biggest decisions uh, are taken by bigger countries and. Mm. I actually follow. Yeah, I actually see you as a uh, a good way to apply some of the will uh, of the Czech Republic, but mm. uh, it's not being used uh, that much. Uh, rather, uh, easier for uh, the, the the political elite to distance themselves, mm. which might might or might not be uh, changing uh, right now. But for the last eight years. Uh, it was uh, sort of a, a blame game from the uh, part of the government. Mm. But it's interesting, like the government here has been, like we, we have a new government now, and I think uh, I was a little bit skeptic of that coalition in the sense that it's just too many parties, you know, too many things to compromise on. And I think uh, I think there was someone here on my podcast who actually said that this was the worst possible outcome because it kind of leaves uh, the the previous government the, as the only opposition voice. So when these guys have fucked things up, the only alternative is going to be the old government. And then and then I I looked at it. I mean, like I I do know that there has been accusations of corruption and there is you know conflict of interest and and things like that, which I think unfortunately we have in a lot of countries. Um, and uh, but if I then really looked at okay, so what has happened to daily life of people around me, and if I look at you know quality of life, uh, travels, uh, restaurants, uh, availability of, of let's say things of a higher quality, education, actually there is a lot of stuff that has improved, and we don't know if it could have improved more or if it less, you know, because we only know that one route that history took us, you know. And and that's so for me. Like I felt with the premier, previous uh, prime minister here, uh, Andre Babis, I felt like it's very if if you're not against him, if you didn't want to piss on his hat or or, or or like the stickers that people put on their cards with the pissing, then there was something wrong with you. But I he I don't know. I mean somehow. I felt that actually the economy here did pretty well, you know, and and uh, and so it couldn't have been all bad, you know. Maybe he did something wrong also, but I don't think that we have actually had a politician here for a really long time that didn't, you know. So why single this one out? Well, I would see a number of reasons why why to uh, single him out, but uh, yeah, but you're local, you know, so you see it, of course, a little bit differently than uh, I do. But 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 what I see as the most important is again some modesty in uh, uh, thinking about what we want from democracy, mm. and one of the basic principles I think that stands uh, the the test of time uh, is uh, a change in the government. 
uh, once every few years mm. and complete change mm. uh, if it's possible. And this was complete change. So by no means I see it as, uh, even, even though uh, too many parties perhaps, uh, even uh, like mechanically, yeah. uh, this would cause problems. Still, the complete, uh, the, the uh, effect of complete change is, is positive. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, we had a prime minister in Iceland that was 16 or 20 years. And in the, in the last four years, he actually fucked up all the good stuff they had done the years before because he just got mad and like kind of like, that brings me to Putin. I mean, like people, people are, uh, and there are stories about that he's terminally ill and that he's gone crazy and so on. And and I wanted to talk about this collective um, guilt, and and I, I often think about it like uh, if like so we in 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 NATO and and we in the Western Empire we have been invading countries all around the world to change governments and to get to stabilize something and to get oil flowing or whatever it is that we want or to open a, a canal for ships or and <clears throat> but the real always the like the real and then we leave and then things go to the same you know like they 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 don't change because the change isn't real and i'm so i was thinking a lot about this collect or guilt or and blaming a regular russian if i was to blame a regular Russian, then I would say, okay, I can blame you guys collectively for not having dealt with this internally. Because what changed France in 1789 or when was the revolution? 89, I think, yeah. That was their own that, that was their own people demanding change in their own society. And I, I now I do know that, you know, it's cheap of me to sit here in a cozy room in Prague and say, let's go out, go out and protest and then they're just going to be shot or jailed. But it, I don't think that, that a country like that cha- will change with foreign interference necessarily. I think the change has to come from the inside. Do you know? And there where I say, okay, so this is where Russian people over the last decades have failed. It's very hard for me to, to, to uh, uh, have accept, completely accept such a statement. Uh, I've uh, some uh, 12 years ago... Uh, my friend from the institute uh, has uh, come into contact with uh, the people that, that uh, were uh, protesting uh, the invasion in 1968 at the Red Square. Mm-hmm. Uh, eight of them, uh, uh, at that time in 2008, he brought them here, uh, made interviews. I helped uh, with that a bit. And uh, actually, uh, most of these people that were still alive uh, are like heroes, even for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they, they said they, they had no idea of uh, uh, changing the government at that time or even uh, having uh, some substantial support from the society. But it, it was their uh, like personal decision. They were protesting in Russia. In Russia mm-hmm. uh, at the Red Square, then they were quite sure that they are going to prison for years. Uh, they were like sent to Siberia for number of years. Mm. Uh, most of them uh, emigrated uh, uh, since then, and uh, some of them still live. Uh, Pavel Litvinenko uh, just got interviewed uh, uh, on Czech radio yesterday or the day before yesterday. Uh, so they definitely are. Uh, parts of the society or individual people that are very brave and honest and are sharing uh, the conception, the basic conception of like 
personal and political freedom. But I'm not sure to what extent this is widespread and to what extent uh, uh, the support uh, to Putin uh, makes him just uh, the user of the moot uh, in the public. Mm -hmm. He definitely uh, has a lot uh, of power to amplify them, mm -hmm. but some sources are there, and uh, such as Russian imperialism mm -hmm. that is quite widely shared. And mm -hmm. I have to admit, I've never been to Russia, which uh, no, is even... Uh, used to be even a joke that uh, during uh, the late uh, state socialism or communism uh, saying that you have not been to Russia means that you're no one. <laughs> mm. So I admit I, I'm no one and I have limited understanding uh, of the situation. That's one other thing. Mm. But that does anyone really understand Russia? I mean, and that's the thing, you know, I, I always felt like it's a mystery somehow to us, you know, and we never can ever foresee what they're going to do or anything like that. And when I, I just want to make it clear that when I talk about that collective, that potential collective guilt, I, I, I do know that there are people that protest, but I also do know that their fate is not great. You know, they end up, as you say, in the Gulag or in Siberia or they get killed or if, you, if you're in opposition. So, I, I, you know, I, it's a totalitarian regime in that sense that they punish any opposition. But it got there somehow. Do you know what I mean? And that's why I mean is that over the years, they have kind of allowed it to happen or they haven't pushed back on it. And I'm not saying that that is something that should just have happened in the last two months. I'm, I'm saying just they got to this point somehow. And there is either by accepting this leader or not having the, I don't know, the... the, the um, common voice to to go all of them against it which i think is what is needed if you want to change the society you change it from the inside you do, you don't interfere you don't just to move two parts and then everything think everything changes it doesn't work like that or i think so but um um yeah on 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 uh, on understanding russia I, I i somehow have a feeling that we we never really we could never somehow predict i mean even isn't it true that when when the the second when the germans gave up the russians kept going so they celebrate the liberation of europe a day or two later so they caught like 600 extra kilometers of europe european territory under the well partly that that was based on a treaty but the treaty was also uh like responding to some extent to what was happening in the field that's right but uh, because they met they met stalin churchill and, and roosevelt met two three that. months yeah. before the the they knew they were gonna win and then they said okay so we're gonna take the final positions of the tanks or something like you know and then the russians said no we didn't get the facts from the germans so we just kept going you know and no one saw that coming uh well that's kind of uh, a slap uh, to all these social scientists and uh, and historians and uh, local or area experts. Mm. But uh, I suppose being kind of one of them, I suppose uh, it's impossible to expect uh, uh, real future scenarios or some pre uh, real uh, uh, predictions. Mm. Uh, 
even understanding what's happening right now or what has happened in the past is uh, uh, well enough. Mm. Uh, uh, but I suppose when you're looking at what's happening now, you're also discriminating between uh, better experts, uh, people with greater insight, trying to get sense of to what extent the person who is speaking about Russia understands Russia. Mm. Uh, trying to uh, get get sense of some uh, rules for yourself to 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 be able to uh, get sense of what's more relevant and less relevant. So mm. I wouldn't be so categorical as like no one understands Russia. No, I I know it's a very uh, kind of generalized comment in a way, but I I I don't know. It's just. It feels that it's always been kind of sh- uh, wrapped into this mystical thingy somehow, and 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 I think um, we, we maybe less here, but more maybe in, in in at least in Scandinavia and in England and so on that we have this idea of a cold society, and and you can just see how Russia is being portrayed in pop culture. You know, like if you see TV series. It's sunny in Washington, and then they switch to Moscow, and it's gray. Nothing has been painted, and it's rainy, and it's foggy. I mean, it must be the worst weather in the world in Moscow, <laughs> like because every fucking movie you see has this. So I think we we amplify this as well, like this mystique somehow. Sure, it's uh, kind of romantic as well, mm. so it sounds good. <laughs> yeah, but. Um, I wanted to. I actually wanted to talk to you about uh, kind of live anti-socialism and stuff, but I think I'm kind of put that a little bit on the back burner here, and 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 we could get a little bit more into this uh, with Ukraine and and uh, you know, <coughs> you mentioned it earlier that, and I, I yeah I I I spent some time in Ukraine and we had a company there or two companies actually, and so I did business there. It was very interesting because it was very corrupt. Um, it was lawless in a way, and uh, and as far as what I have heard, and I I don't have anything to confirm that, but uh, the the current president that that is now, where is extremely good at uh, presenting himself and his country, and he's done a great job with that. He didn't really. He wasn't necessarily everyone's president, and there was a lot of accusations against him for corruption. Um, and uh, but we we have somehow i think now we it's it's somehow painted the country has been painted as a ideal or i don't know a good country let's say when actually there was a lot of stuff wrong there um is this am i is this is this something that you see in the let's say the narrative or 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 is it gone or or not is it forbidden Well, to some extent, I would even accept the fact that a few days after the invasion, it would be inappropriate to uh, uh, jump into uh, the corruption in in Mm. Ukraine. Mm. Because uh, first things first. However, uh, when it comes to the reactions, uh, including the, the Czech reaction, Uh, though it's understandable, uh, I suppose uh, the the gesture of uh, making Ukraine uh, a member of the EU anytime soon 
mm. uh, is completely irresponsible mm. and and shows the distance between what is the threshold for being a uh, an EU member what are the procedures and what this is just an empty uh, political gesture on But the why other would, hand why would someone make that empty political gesture well they have made it already yeah but on wor- what's the purpose and because i guess ukraine probably didn't fulfill any any conditions of being approved well the the reason why uh, i suppose it's quite straightforward uh, to just say we stand by you uh and and your kind of our world we are going to protect but i suppose it's much more important to uh make uh, more tangible steps uh then uh, something that in few years whatever the situation is going to be would backlash mm. you have promised us the eu membership and now you're hesitant mm. like similar dances as with turkey mm. which i suppose was never meant to really be accepted so it, it is is that too do you think like with turkey is that like or or in this case with ukraine do you think it's in is it is it a short term political game to i don't know to achieve some goals or 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 create something that is not really necessarily meant to be fulfilled i suppose so mm. it's a matter of emotions and momentarily uh it might they were too drunk look well or they said decent. i love you before they actually started loving them <laughs> yeah yeah Because that's what it feels. I like, uh, I, and I, I, I told you before we started. I was very angry when this happened. I was like, I, I, I uh, r- went rampant on on some Facebook post and said that we should arrest the the ambassador of Russia and put him under house arrest. And Putin doesn't understand anything. And and I felt like, I felt that we had failed Ukraine in in because of what you're saying. We're we're inviting them to the dance you know we're saying okay guys we you know we want to be nato you want to be european union and you know and we're going to help you improve your country and and you'll be one of us and then we come to the dance and then an old boyfriend shows up it's called putin and 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 instead of defending that date and that girlfriend that we we romantically whispered that we love uh we run away and <clears throat> I don't know maybe that's actually what's happening is and 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 this president Zelensky has been quite critical of the of the west in this sense and maybe the Ukrainian nation feels a little bit let down right well definitely but you have you're hosting refugees in your home right uh, or in a house that you have not yet uh we're just uh, discussing whether to uh try to not skip the queue but uh, uh like help uh, imminently because we have registered for uh, uh to host uh, a few people uh but it takes quite a long time well long time it's been three days that we are registered so it's mm. not that that long but uh, uh, our friends at the uh registration center say that it's it's completely jammed and mm-hmm. uh, there's even uh a lot more uh supply 
uh, then they could like fail with the with demand uh, mm-hmm. processing everything uh, with the visas and and social security and and medical security and so on uh but yeah i suppose uh, a lot of my friends did more tangible concrete things and uh, these big proclamations such as the one uh, made by uh, joseph borrell mm. sending 70 jets fighter jets well russia invaded ukraine is horrible inacceptable but uh, making uh, statements that are not going to ever happen uh uh in the name of uh, affection or emotions uh, would backlash mm-hmm. just empty saying we are with you mm-hmm. uh virtue signaling doesn't help no but there's a lot of that going on now and and it's interesting for me like it seems like the <clears throat> like it took i mean putin cured covid in like two days it's crazy we went from mandatory vaccinations and you know you're gonna lose your job in some countries and and uh, we had that guy in canada with that the truckers and 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 like crazy stuff going on and and that kind of just left the media somehow and and we we all fits to this and and everybody goes into um yeah some sort of a virtue signal oh, well every, i mean there's a lot of people doing a lot of good stuff and i'm happy to see that i mean a lot of collections and a lot of support in that sense and that's great uh but there are also companies there are shitty companies shitty global companies and they've always been shitty and they're shitty to everyone except their shareholders and they are pretending now to be some sort of saints and it's it's an interesting spiral actually because i could see that you know like uh McDonald's is pulling out of um, and Starbucks is pulling out and and uh, and you you kind of have to you become guilty by association somehow because if you don't pull out of Russia now then you're you're pro Putin and and it's the, it's a very there's nothing gray here it's just black or white you're either against Putin or you're with him well for today's situation i think this is kind of appropriate and even though you can see that uh, the decisions or I, i i think that the decisions of a lot of these uh, big companies is based on uh, the social pressure mm-hmm. uh rather than anything else mm-hmm. uh, still i would apply uh, some cautiousness but before the conflict mm. So before the conflict it was really a matter of uh, a lot of thinking strategical thinking to to what extent to try to do something with Russians in Russia uh, to what extent to uh, support uh, some of the kind of official structures but not not the the, the highest elite uh for instance in, in our case to to what extent to cooperate not only in Russia but uh, in Belarus with an uh, state run institute that uh, does uh, uh further or in service education for history teachers mm. is it okay mm. we have, we have mm. discussed that mm. a lot and uh i i don't think that there's any perfect solution uh, and isolation was not uh, the the uh the right way to go but but that's the way we're today, going we're yeah. going that way now yes but i suppose the, the war the invasion the the, the brutality uh, needs to 
get uh, uh, even insincere response mm-hmm. <laughs> by by uh, these companies and and mm-hmm. uh, even the such gestures that are not uh, born of goodwill count they will still count yeah but um, <coughs> um, will those companies do the same next time that the US will invade Syria or Afghanistan or Iran or something do you think that Do you th- I, I don't know because I mean I guess a lot of most of those companies are owned by American money in some to some extent but uh, do you think that we would see because this is not what we've seen before we've never seen anything of this kind of scale like now uh, where companies are free willingly I mean it's not under embargoes or, or restrictions they're actually free willingly re- refusing to do business I mean I, I heard stories I, I haven't seen it on the news because I, I don't recheck well enough but doctors refusing to treat Russian patients and stuff like that. And it is kind of escalated into a lot of bullying of people that have yeah nothing to do with this. But let's assume that or hope that this conflict gets resolved and this ends in some way that is palatable or eatable for everyone involved uh, over time at least. Obviously not for the people who lose their lives, but, you know, it's... Um, do you think that we will... Will this change how the world reacts to armed conflicts in the future? You know, will we care as much when it happens in Venezuela? I don't know. No, Uh, I actually have no idea. uh, One thing that we are discussing with teachers right now, uh, and there's uh, a a sort of gathering uh, happening right now online uh, with some 70 teachers. So some of the ideas my colleague brought there are. Uh, sometimes the teacher is not the, the 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 god to know everything, omnipotent one. We are lost in the situation as well, and yeah, you're uh, human. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and even though there should be some expertise about things you're speaking uh, about, mm. history definitely does not like solve the thing uh, so as a uh, historian or social, social scientist uh, i have no idea mm. i think there are, there are few things that are really new mm. new here apart from uh, the, the massive sections mm-hmm. um uh, also the the, the coverage uh, the the way uh, this uh, conflict is covered mm-hmm. uh, uh in social media the number of sources we are getting and so on uh so Perhaps this would be a feature of uh, some new conflict as well. Mm. Perhaps not. If it is, maybe it would make uh, even a war in a very distant place much more imminent than uh, mm. they were up to now. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, it's actually we we were talking about it a little bit earlier on, uh, like before actually before we started recording. That it, what is interesting about this war is that. Um, uh, one side seems to be very well prepared uh, from a media perspective in terms of messaging and so on and, and Putin just seems to be Putin you know just with his uh, huge oversized marble tables and, and you know like yeah he, he's just being him and and, the, the, and and I think like a lot of there's a lot of stuff that has been uh, misreported somehow and and, and it has been 
that medias have been caught out using footage from previous wars or from video games even and and and, and some very silly things and I th- I, th- I I don't think that they needed that I don't think that the mainstream media actually needed such a low blow again you know because they I think a lot of them have been under criticism for the last two three years about how they cover the the pandemic and what kind of voice they speak and they adopted this trusted news network that you know basically censors out whatever is not part of the CDC or World Health Organization doctrine or, or narrative so but then I was thinking well Actually, maybe this is how war has always been. But now we just have people on the ground with mobile phones that can actually prove that it's not necessarily right what's being reported. Do you think this is the case, that we are actually just seeing this in a different way now because we are able to, um, say, debunk some of the propaganda? Uh, to some extent, uh, perhaps. Well, the, the first events that uh, seem to be like uh, covered live uh, with uh, mobile phones were the uh, the Arab Spring revolutions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in that sense, it's not that new, but it. Uh, uh, Definitely, uh, one has to be careful uh, about uh, Ukrainian official sources. Uh, it's part of a necessary war propaganda. Propaganda doesn't have to be like completely negative, untouchable mm. thing that uh, you always need to avoid. It's very understandable from their side. But when it, when it comes to... Uh, to put in like losing hearts. Uh, one thing I've learned in uh, my uh, years studying political science was that uh, the, the first thing you have to ask uh, is what is the target audience mm. and what is the aim? Mm-hmm. So has ever Putin wanted to win our hearts? No. Perhaps not. Mm. So in his case, yes, he's losing, but he's not. He was he, bad before. He's he, just, he's uh, not even fighting. Mm. Uh, he perhaps tries to win hearts of uh, Russian people, which, when compared to the communist regime in Czechoslovakia, that might have been the case of 1950s and mm. 1960s, but definitely not 70s and 80s. Mm. Uh, no one really cared about winning hearts you mm. you didn't need the the hearts but uh, that's very different from the western politicians they're all for this they w- they want to be popular they they and they they're on social media so they get the feedback directly they get the hate if they say the wrong thing so so they care much more about this right um appearance well they care Primarily about their constituencies, mm. and we are not Putin's constituency. Mm. But uh, as the so-called Western countries are much more interconnected, then your reputation elsewhere matters much more. Yeah, yeah that's true. And uh, in case of Putin, I think his bad reputation in the West uh, might uh, open some more hearts in Russia. Yeah. So, in some sense, uh, the, the fact that uh, uh, the West is applauding uh, and, and very attentive uh, and open to what comes from uh, the U- Ukrainian side 
might be even beneficial for mm. uh, for Putin. Mm. I don't want to say stop listening to uh, Next or other uh, channels uh, from Bela free, relatively mm. free channels from uh, Ukraine or Be- Belarus, but uh, I think it's completely out of the wants and reach uh, of Putin, and he he's not not part of this game. Mm. But. Um But it's interesting with propaganda. I was thinking about this the other day. Like, uh, why, why, and as you said, it, it's the audience that matters and the purpose of the message. And I think, I think it's quite normal when you are the underdog that you have to create this heroic image, and you need to create those stories that inspire your people to keep fighting, and it, and it inspires the 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 let's say the spectators or the the, the ones that are outside the conflict. Uh, the boyfriend that ran away from the dance they need to they need to see that you know there's something going on here and i and i think in in that sense i don't think that um it's an unfair manipulation i think i think it serves a purpose of defending your country and asking for help and i and i think with that with that that's a noble purpose you know like it's it's not just the And yeah, it's not it's not worth you signaling or or you know to making yourself look better than you are. And 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 as you said, I, because I talked about the corruption uh, accusations on on Zelensky, and and uh, he is regardless of that, he is the president of a country that is under attack one way or the other. You know, and 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 it's his duty is to defend his citizens and ask you know for help to defend his citizens because. That's the w- bad thing about war. The the ones that lose are always the common people. You know, lo- they lose their sons and and fathers and brothers and all that. Yeah, and then you know they lose their jobs, they lose their their homes, they lose, uh, they pay through the inflation that comes. And then the ones who make money and oh yeah, the ones least affected are the politicians that survive, and the business people that make money of rebuilding those countries after they have been you know. Um, how do you say ruined so um i don't know why i said this do you know uh because uh blaming uh yeah the, the elite to, to, yeah, for to, yeah. uh so, like hurting yeah and and i and i think like that's this that's the like because there are there's a lot of lot of parts in this and like yeah th- we, we got into this because of the 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 corruption accusations and that mm. and like in the end it's innocent people that are paying for this one way or the other and and even even if even if you can say that oh there's not so much uh, civilian casualties blah 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 you it doesn't change the fact that the infrastructure is being ruined you know they will be take years and that's going to be tax money it's not going to be putin's money or some oligarch that pays for it it's going to be the common people who pay for it so so that's the like the real tragedy is always going to be on that level but it's just interesting to see how this this seems to um to work and i but I, on the other hand i think as we were talking about earlier that we were kind of flirting with ukraine and um and then if i think about w- what if i put myself in 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 the shoes of of russia then um they are in a in a position where their world gets smaller and smaller somehow they get cornered in more and more And if if I would portray that on the U.S., if if let's say it was in '62 that the missile crisis was in Cuba, that uh, the Soviet Union was going to arm 
coupons with missiles that could reach Florida or something like that. I mean, that's when missiles were shitty. Now they could go over the whole world. And the, everything went crazy. I think we probably never in history since the Second World would be closer to uh, uh, a nuclear or, or some sort of a real breakout. And um, and then I was thinking, okay, so what if what if Canada and and Mexico would join hands with Russia and say, let's you know let's let's create a new union with China and and uh, Canada and India and and Mexico and we're all going to be superpowers and Brazil is on board. Yeah, we will start by putting some missiles in Canada and Mexico. What do you think the U.S. would do? Well, I, I'm I'm not sure whether it's that productive to uh, think just geopolitics, mm. uh, because I see the despite all the faults and and problems, uh, I see uh, the system not only in here but also the the, the way. Uh, society is structured e- even in Ukraine as much more uh, free compared to Russia. Mm. There are not that violent changes in government uh, that has happened uh, throughout the the, the last uh, number of years in Ukraine. Mm. And even though there was some blood spilled and th- th- there were oligarchs behind uh, a lot of uh, the, the public figures uh, maybe even including Zelensky, mm. still at least the, the change of power, different uh, like groups uh, that were connected to these uh, politicians and so on. So in, in this uh, case, I would say uh, these uh, principles are supreme. Uh, are uh, and if you follow them, it's the, the, the straightforwardly geopolitical uh, power game is uh, a bit less important. Uh, so I would count that in and would think that uh, has this alliance of Canada, uh, China, and uh, yeah, Russia Mexico, ever Mexico. happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. No, but we... we uh, that would mean uh, change in the uh, governing system of Canada in the first mm-hmm. place, mm-hmm. which would be not the bigger problem, but a big problem. Uh, and the primary problem, I would Yeah, but but I don't think that anybody that like I don't know woke up on the first of September 1982 could have imagined that you know Latvia and Lithuania and and Estonia would be part of the European Union and 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 you know because if you look at the Russian Empire from a historical point of view, it's kind of you know it's expanded, it's you know gone down and up in size and so on. And 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 I I know I I know this is a very hypothetical thing, but the only time that the U.S faced any threat on it. and and well they they've been attacked in 9/11 but when they they faced the threat of an invasion of a foreign country or they at least they believed so i mean i don't know what cuba would have done with their tiny little military and their few people but anyway they reacted with aggression you know that there was no mercy there i mean maybe they were just lucky they had a good president at the time or not not some cowboy but uh, I, I'm, I'm just. I, I, I feel like that Russia has been a very handy enemy somehow. 
for a long time. We can blame them. I know that the country is corrupt. I know that they have oligarchs. I know that the biggest oligarch is Putin. I know that I, I know all these things, and it doesn't make them good or anything like that. But at the same time, it's really interesting to look and like for me as not, not an expert, but in American politics, they blame they blame Russia. That's Trump's fault. No, they they that's their fault. They made him the president, and then. No, they didn't do that. They made Hillary the president. And then it's Russian disinformation about COVID. Russian this, Russian that. And it was interesting, um, this uh, director, Oliver Stone, he made, a, he made a docu-series that is called The Untold Histories of the United States of America. And it kind of starts at the end of the Second World War and then follows um, the military-industrial complex of the U.S., which basically Eisenhower talks about that, that you know, is taking over, and the the and the, let's say the 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 underlying message in this is that America is addicted to having an enemy. They have to have an enemy because that justifies all the military, that justifies all the weapons, it justifies the foreign policies and the interventions and all that 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 are done in the name of having an enemy, but are actually just about money and contractors and oil and, and whatever it is. You know what the value is, and and I. And I just, I don't know, I, I, I am not justifying what Russia is doing right now, but I think we haven't, yeah, we just never let them to the table somehow. You know, we, we keep them and, and we need them to be bad. Uh, well, that, that, that might be uh, their previous uh, story. Uh, and I've, I've read quite a similar picture of, mm. from Russia uh, a few years ago. Uh, one thing is uh, that you might explain things, mm. uh, and the other is justify them, uh, right? So uh, one thing is whether it's some, something is understandable, uh, and the other is acceptable or legitimate, right? Mm. Uh, but there definitely are many mistakes or were many mistakes made. Uh, I would be hesitant to say uh, that uh, the the fact that uh, uh, Ukraine has been uh, made in direct promise of entering NATO uh, would be that mistake. Mm. I'm not I'm not entirely sure about this, mm. uh, but what, what I'm definitely uh, sure about is uh, that. Uh, 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 speaking about uh, Russia itself being a- admitted in the EU ever was uh, a mistake. Though um, I'm not sure to uh, what extent people felt deceited, has felt deceited after this came to be crappy nonsense in Russia. Mm. Keeping off the table, well, What's the right to be at the table where Europe is being divided? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my question to you. I mean, uh, you say uh, of the table. I'm I'm not entirely sure what is the table. So no, but I, I mean, <clears throat> why 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 not have Russia as part of EU? Why not have them part of NATO? Why not why not bring them closer? Why not? Work with them because I mean to to be very honest, we work with a lot of countries. I mean, we as a global community and the, and and those 
good nations that, that form these communities. We do work with a lot of nations that have corruption, they have crime, they have whatever. I mean, and, and we, don't ask, we don't ask about the, the politics of some of the leadership in some countries. I mean, like, look at the Saudi Arabia. I mean, like, we, the U.S. has always been close to them. And, 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 or and, in our case, Turkey. Right? Yeah, Turkey yeah, exactly. in, in, uh, in NATO, very yeah. pragmatic move. Uh, Yeah, to some extent, uh, the, the the whole conflict uh, brings forward a, a lot of uh, material to reassess. Mm. Um, people that were hypercritical of Poland, uh, current Poland, current Hungary, mm. current Turkey, uh, maybe me included, mm. uh, at least when it comes to Turkey. Uh, well, have we not had Turkey... On our side right now, it might be much much harder. Yeah, and I I, I don't know. I think like uh, and I, I yeah I I have a feeling that you know like they <clears throat> they can't they, well like if we kind of we put Russia as a black box and we can just okay it's Russia's fault Russian hackers Russian this Russian that Russian blah 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 and uh, I, I'm not saying that that's cost isn't or justifies it but it's just I feel like we've kind of been floating in this direction for quite a while, and there's a lot of, but like with everything else, there's a lot of small decisions and actions and events on the way that kind of lead to a point where you then think, shit, how the hell did we end up here? You know, because we, that was not, that when we started here 30 years ago, we weren't we weren't going to be here, you know, but now we are here. But uh, and you mentioned actually like now with uh, Orban and and, uh, and the guys in Poland as an example. Um, And uh, th- those are those are politicians and politi- political leadership and governments that are very much criticized by by let's say the European Community and and people <coughs> um, that don't share their ideologies and values. And then I, I saw an interview with Orban. My my girlfriend is actually Hungarian, so I get a lot of Orbanish at home and uh, mm. Hungarian news and and stuff and and. I saw an interview with him that he did in in U.S. and of course on on Fox News, but he, he probably wouldn't have been invited anywhere else. But I actually, when I listened to him, I I I, I can't say that because he was talking about you know we value family Christianity, we want to protect those traditional values, we want to be a conservative society. Okay, what's wrong with that? You know what I mean? Like, is that is that? Does it have to be bad to want to be a conservative society? And then it, this co- kind of got me into thinking that actually I feel like in some ways a lot of countries like you can take maybe yeah Poland and Hungary as an example because they're maybe the most open, Serbia probably, they actually have in some way maybe more in common with the values and the and the and the rhetoric and, and what's going on in, in Russia, in a peaceful Russia and a peaceful Ukraine than they have with, I don't know, like uh, Scotland or something, you know? I wouldn't be so sure about this, but uh, I would be quite sure uh, about uh, uh, more important uh, sources of criticism or things to, to criticize uh, in uh, in Budapest. I, I don't by much of the rhetorics of uh, uh, of Orban. Mm. He has remade himself from being very 
centrist, uh, liberal. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's gone, pro, gone a long journey. Yeah. Pro-Western, yeah. Um, uh, ordered some political marketing experts to 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 rem, uh, remake him, yeah, rebrand him. Yeah. Uh, but w- what's more important is is the cronyism and and uh, his uh, personal ties, uh, nationalizing parts of industries and giving it to his family friends. and friends. Yeah. Yeah which is not a good way of governance uh, has he had uh, any kind of rhetoric whatsoever mm. uh, so 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 that that would be uh, like, like my critical point towards um, uh, towards Orban rather than his uh, uh, conservative uh, rhetorics which part of them I don't personally like or uh, I'm not and you don't have to. to I mean you don't you don't uh, but but It's it's like their country, and I suppose uh, that uh, even though it looks quite grim, uh, still there's a chance again of a change in government. There are some limits to the fairness of the the elections. Uh, it's and very. They're gonna blame George Soros if they lose. Uh, they're already blaming him. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and 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 so mm. uh, uh, and 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 it it doesn't look too attractive. I, I mean, yeah. all these puppet masters behind the politics being displayed in a manner reminding you of the worst uh, anti-Semitic uh, mm. caricatures, which is not nice. Mm. And it's kind of unacceptable, but there are levels of uh, unacceptability and some pragmatism. And I'm quite happy that even though uh, Hungary does not allow uh, a transfer of uh, 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 weapons uh, through their uh, territory, uh, territory uh, and, and that they're not donating weapons themselves, generally they're allies. And... Yeah quite reliable allies. They mm-hmm. might be blocking some of the sanctions for a while and so on. But when it comes to uh, like real things such as uh, uh, Russia owning part of the oil industry mall, mm-hmm. uh, it was very short story uh, mm-hmm. ended by uh, Orban himself. Mm-hmm. But I, I think but I, but I think like uh, and maybe this <clears throat> yeah because of this kind of value system and lifestyle and and and, and views of Of the gen of let's say the general public, you know, like um, unfortunately, yeah, we we are we suffer a lot in this part of the world with, let's say, ch- cheating politicians and and people that that uh, you know use power in the wrong way. But on the other hand, I I felt like um, during COVID, for example, here I felt like um, one thing is the rules. There were rules. There were public rules, and and then another thing is the enforcement. And I, I was really curious about it, like um, that. If if I looked at compared that to, for example, Iceland. I mean, obviously a much much smaller community, just three hundred and sixty thousand people or something. But I don't think that the police here managed to to find restaurants for breaking these rules more than 10-15 times during two years or like it was some ridiculously small number of fines that were actually issued it never became a big thing whereas in Iceland they did eight per day 
and you know the, and it was headline news like there were seven people instead of six at this table in this restaurant and then you know the owner had to come and say i'm sorry and you know, hopefully nobody dies and and it made it really made me think like i have a feeling and i think that's you know we we're going to talk about socialism later but <laughs> individual freedom and kind of the freedom to be just doing my own thing is very is very strong here and and I was thinking, okay, is it also somehow affected by the fact that these politicians know that if they if they push us too far, if they if they start taking away this gray zone that we can kind of operate within, you know, are are they then then they won't get away with stealing anymore? <laughs> Do you get what I mean? That they they say, okay, we better just leave the people be. I think Schweik had it like in Schweik, you had it like he he was, as long as. He just got the orders, but then he did a different thing. If you have a beer for a euro, everything is fine as long as it's two euros. If it goes to two euros, that is a revolution. Might be, uh, at least to some extent. But uh, what uh, is quite dangerous is uh, the the unpredictability, mm. uh, because rules are there for a reason. some yeah. predictability. Yeah. And uh, you're suggesting that uh, even though uh, there were rules, no one really expected them to be followed. No, it's more the enforcement, like enforcement. in in like a public or, or authoritarian enforcement. I think I think a lot of rules were followed just because of people's good nature or like you or respect to other people and 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 so on. But I also think that you know those who. So, for example, I would I would happily go to a pub even if I knew it wasn't allowed, because I knew I would then be around people that would happily be in a pub. I would then just have to trust that those people wouldn't go to their grandmother day after or whatever. You know what I mean? So, at the other hand, I would always go to the grocery store wearing my mask and and uh, you know following those rules. But I just felt like somehow, and I feel it in general. I mean, I've been stopped by the police on my car and 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 on occasions where they should have given me a fine and they didn't. I I, ne- I never felt that authority here is really trying to, and I wonder if that comes from the very top. That it's just that just let the people do their thing. They will use their kind of values as humans to kind of navigate. And yes, there are some rules, and we use them in in emergency cases. But leave them be. Then we can keep stealing. Uh, that would be a nicer way to portray it, right? Uh, because. I suppose, or I, at least I see the, the COVID uh, pandemic as a situation of crisis mm. uh, where some of the people might have died unnecessarily mm. because there were not enough people abiding to rules or using their decent... Uh, yeah, common sense or, common or, sense. or decency, yeah. 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 So... Uh, uh, it's definitely double-edged uh, X, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and and when it comes to a test, uh, and uh, hopefully it wouldn't come to a test of war, but uh, uh, when it comes to a test of uh, uh, health crisis, uh, I would say that uh, it, it's... Uh, I wouldn't call it with such a n- nice words uh, like negotiating, uh, as you've mentioned, like negotiating on the human uh, level mm. and and uh, getting around uh, with uh, 
decent. But there is behavior. a lot. Of, yeah, but there is a lot of gray area here in society, and I and, and it. All, I I just often think about it. Like, I don't know when when I went to the foreign police the first time, they said, "Oh, take a chocolate box to give to the woman," and I was like, "Why? I don't even know if she likes chocolate." But but there is. I don't know, and I and I I just I. I I always, I always somehow felt. I mean, like the biggest weed seller in my neighborhood in Minurati when I lived there, he was next to the police. So he opened his bar and like out came like this stream of weed smoke. You know, everybody was stoned in there, and the police for the next door and three police cars out, and they didn't do anything. And I'm happy that they didn't do anything because you know I, I, I think for better or worse, weed is better than getting hammered and and or cocaine or whatever it is that people use. So. I, I'm and what I'm thinking now is these values, you know, and these political view in the, in the sense that let the masses just get again on with their things and let's not interfere too much. And I think I just took COVID maybe as an example because I then it was so visible to me that okay there are rules, but then there isn't really an enforcement of them somehow, you know, like political enforcement. And and that kind of maybe yeah brings me to what I was saying earlier. Do these do these politicians like? Um, Orban or, or or the guys that have been charged here or in in Poland, do they actually get away with some of the stuff they do because they actually leave the people alone? Whereas politicians, like in 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 some countries, are very much kind of in your face, you know. Might be the case. Mm. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm not sure about uh, this exact questions towards uh, you know, Poland and the Hungary, uh, but. What uh, it it would be very easy to say uh, that uh, the the crumbling communist regime from late seventies to eighty uh, nine um, somehow uh, or that it's part of Czech nature uh, from Schweik uh, mm. to, to 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 not abide or make too much of authority. Uh, again, I I wouldn't be so sure uh, about such big stories and it's uh, uh, a very easy way to uh, make it kind of clear and understandable uh, yeah, but sometimes things have to be clear and understandable <laughs> no but it, you understand my theory I know I know there is a million moving parts and a lot of contributing mm -hmm. factor but it's just it's such a different society I lived in Denmark and when the when the post was on strike, the tax could still send you letters. They have like a fail-safe system so that the tax can still get you. Here, I don't know. I don't even know where the tax office is, you know. I, and I think there are people who lived here that haven't paid taxes their whole life, you know. It's just such a difference, you know. Yeah, uh, very visible. And I definitely agree. Having lived for a short time in England, mm -hmm. uh, rules abiding is is very, very different there. Yeah. And... and, and uh, my supervisor was a uh, frequent visitor to East Germany during the communist times and had uh, a lot of friends there. Uh, and, and this part of Germany remains a bit different to, to the rest. And he had some understanding of uh, like this central eastern relaxed view of authority. Uh, but also he was like German from the Germany, uh, now living in in England, and uh, it was very nice uh, to have him as eye opener towards uh, the the level of tolerance uh, 
uh, towards not cheating because I was mm. not asking mm. for uh, for to cheat, uh, but uh, even uh, when uh, like doing very normal things uh, such as uh, setting up bank account and so on. So what is acceptable and what is not? Mm. Uh, what these rules written on paper really mean in in real life? Mm. Uh, my question towards this uh, disrespect or um, uh, uh, to authority that I agree is is quite uh, uh, spread here is uh, to what extent does that increase uh, chaos or mm. unpredictability? Mm. Because the 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 good thing about rules is that. You know what? Yeah, where like. you stand, and when you get punished, and I think, yeah, I mean, I, I totally, and, and connecting that to the communism, I mean that, there you never really knew the rules, so you never, and they could punish you without rules. It's yeah, but um, a little bit back to you know to 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 Putin and and that stuff. I mean, like, um, so now we are, I don't know, like ten, twelve days into this war, and it, it's it's uh, it's an interesting thing that it it. <laughs> I don't know. It's. I mean, obviously, there have been more sanctions. There have been more reactions. But from a war point of view, or conflict point of view, and 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 it's just kind of seems to go on somehow. And and it's not clear to me if if are the Russians gaining ground or are, are is some stalemate or whatever. Do Do you see like uh, do you see out of this uh, conflict some Good solution. Like, do you do? You, where can this end? Well, I see a number of bad solutions or mm. bad re- resolutions, uh, or resolutions that uh, have some bad consequences. So, for instance, uh, the recent initiative of uh, the Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett coming to Ukraine, uh, coming to uh, Russia first, uh, then consulting with a number of uh, other countries, including Germany. Not uh, very clear of not positioning him as the deal maker uh, or the mediator, uh, distancing himself from that, just providing information. Uh, From my point of view, very welcomed initiative Mm -hmm. at this point. But, uh, and un- unexpected, I think, right? Uh, well, Ukraine was uh, asking uh, Israel to mediate uh-huh. for for some time. Okay. Uh, but but yeah, unexpected also because of the the the, the personality of Naftali Bennett and his mm. relative inexperience in um, international politics, mm. definitely. But I can see that uh, selling some. Uh, uh, peace with uh, harsh. Uh, uh limits when it comes to um, uh, sovereignty of uh, Ukraine mm. uh, might create a, a very uh, nasty myth of Jewish peace being imposed upon us, dictated uh, from Moscow, uh, to brokered Korea, yeah, by... Yeah, to, to Israel, yeah. Uh, th- uh, same applies or similar thing applies to Zelensky. I suppose there are people from the EU, the, the politicians, uh, having not only a supportive cause, but also putting some pressure on him yeah, right yeah, now. Give this up or accept this. Yes. And, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Uh, and again, this could be like Zelensky uh, and the EU sold us mm. in Ukraine. Mm. Uh, the other option for current Ukraine and Zelensky to to have the country demolished, no, no one could expect uh, real uh, support, uh, meaning like direct uh, military support from mm. the West, mm. or could could expect, but it's not mm. reasonable. Mm. Uh, so I, I at least uh, eminent. Uh, Uh, apart from some change of regime in Russia, not really. So, I mean, the options... Uh, okay, so the uh, one option is that they broker some peace that probably means that Russia gets some of the yeah. claims that they yeah. want. Yeah. Um, and and then, okay, another option is Russia just wins. You know, they just take whatever they want and they do whatever they want. Uh, and I guess the third option could be some sort of an escalation that this goes outside of outside of Ukraine and that, and that, I guess that's what nobody wants but <laughs> that 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 would always be I guess a route that we would go if Russia is basically demolishing the the uh, taking over the whole country and 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 so it kind of has to stop where it is in a way like do you know what I mean like we 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 can't really allow this to get into to become some sort of a five year conflict right Well, again, then I would ask, what does it mean not to allow it, uh, like mm. in practical terms? Uh, but uh, one idea I'm attentive to, but I'm, I'm not a proponent of it, is uh, that uh, anyway, Putin is uh, getting Ukraine and that's only his first move. Mm. And if we don't move he uh, here and now... Uh, <laughs> He will, next he next will stop, be yeah. b- 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 Baltic states, mm. and he would see that uh, NATO is not uh, defending, defending, not able to uh, do anything uh, mm. substantial. And then, yeah, as you mentioned, also that there is there is a possibility that this gets solved from the inside in Russia, and I guess I guess that's what the aim with the sanctions is. In in the end, is to harm business interest into an extent that they, the people that have the money, go to him and say, "Listen, this has to stop, or, or you need to go, or whatever." Um, but uh, um, um, I. I, I Do, do you see this, or do you feel that this would be something that drags out? I mean, based on 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 what you are seeing now, and and I don't know. I I think I think I think a lot of people were and, and saying in the, in the media that yeah, it's it's going to be ten days, and then they got what they want. They they can change the government, they can change the constitution, and make it a. a, a do you do you after now that this time has passed? Do you see it as Do you find it more likely that it's solved in the coming days, or no idea? Mm. But uh, if I have to bet, uh, I would not think that it's going to be resolved anytime soon. Mm. And do you do you think that uh, do you think that Putin has gone mad? I don't. F- well, I'm not entirely sure what would that 
actually mean. mean yeah. Uh, Power but, mat. Uh, but uh, in some sense, I, I don't think it's even productive and realistic to uh, think about uh, Hitler or number of other uh, dictators, dictators uh, as mat. There's some princip- There are some principles and some rationality behind w- w- what they're doing, and uh, uh, he might. But uh, not necessarily. Mm. Uh, the I, I don't I don't see uh, any clear signs in his uh, like political moves. Mm. Uh, and I I'm not uh, a fan of this Sovietologist uh, looking at uh, very small signs uh, on photographs and uh, analyzing yeah, yeah, this yeah, what videos. it meant. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hit some Easter eggs and hidden things, yeah. Uh, but w- what is clear uh, is that we are like discussing some very opaque mm. uh, power structure, mm. right? Uh, even my friends that are real experts, unlike me on Russia, are not sure to what extent uh, Putin has got his big group of people behind uh, him, behind him mm. to what extent he is uh, a puppet master or he is a puppet, mm. to what extent uh, uh, he leads uh, these oligarchs, to what extent... Uh, do they need him? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But do you think like, um, do you think that this is possibly a shift of power from uh, that the, we're seeing like uh, the first steps of shift of power between or from, let's say, the Western, NATO, US, Europe, empire, we call it like that, towards more like Russia, China, you know, possibly some countries in the Middle East... Because I mean, I've, I've, I feel like when I when this happened, I thought, okay, you would never play game A without having, you know, game B ready or C or D, whatever, you know. Uh, there are not that many signs of uh, a strong and sensible alliance. Uh, sensible in, uh, meaning uh, mm-hmm. like uh, with good foundations of Russian uh, Chinese uh, alliance. Why not? Uh, because China seems to be the last resort for Russia, so it would be very uneven uh, relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least from what I'm reading about uh, the like political economy of the possible uh, future uh, relationship, mm-hmm. China could dictate Russia a lot. Mm-hmm. And apart from that, uh, but again, I'm not. Having no, a deep expertise. No, and you're not here as 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 the president of the United Nations or anything like that. We're uh, just two guys talking. Yeah, uh, but but still, uh, uh, China uh, has a great naval power, mm. which uh, is not possible to really combine with uh, the the Russian manpower uh, mm. on the ground. Mm. So how does this? No, but I'm thinking more about like the economic kind of activity in a sense because you know I've been reading some reports about that they have reduced their dependency on the US dollar, you know, and like we are saying now we don't want we want green energy, we're not going to use the fossil. China doesn't care, they're just going to use whatever energy they can get. 
So I, I see, like, actually, like, from a financial or economical point of view, I think even there's an agreement now between the, the Russian Central Bank and the, and the Chinese Central Bank that, that the Russians can actually use the yen as a, as a currency in international trade and stuff like that. So, because, I mean, it's not, like, something we can take for granted that the U.S. is always going to be in the driving seat, like that they are always in charge and that they can kind of go around the world and do whatever they want. And, 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 and I mean, China with their growing economy and, and their middle class wanting more and, and, and Russia having all these resources and kind of having been the bully on the school disco for a long time. It's not an unthinkable thing, right? Yeah. Some sort of reapproachment is uh, mm. seen for a longer time, but uh, what I think is key, uh, I'm siding with those experts who point to the fact that China uh, would be much, much stronger one in mm. this relationship. Uh, so it would be better for Russia to go to the US, <laughs> be with them, you know, then and, and back, back to the question, not such a change because the, the powerful one is uh, anyway, China uh, with or without Russia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they could, I mean, they, yeah, they could control Russia e e eventually. But um, the, the sanctions and all these reactions, it's an interesting, uh, it's, it's, it's one of the things that, that uh, yeah, it's it's put in place to break down the will of of people and kind of put pressure from the inside, and of course, as a yeah, well, ob obviously also makes it harder to finance the military and and the war machine that is going on. I mean, but in the World War and Second World War, the Germans were geniuses at finding ways around this, and they did. There's always someone willing to sell if the price is right, you know. So they did a lot of trading through South America and and Spain and Sweden. You know, Sweden always makes money of war, and. Uh, um, and and I was thinking when I, 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 w I w went to Cuba once and, and I was very curious about what people said and well, nobody wanted to say anything and uh, so I was trying to ask, you know, we stayed in a lot of different private homes with people and, and I was trying to understand, you know, how does it work here and so we finally found this, this taxi driver that luckily drove us like the last day for like I don't know, like four hours or something through the airport. So it was a lot of time. And he he was explaining me that, I mean, th they have been under sanctions for, I don't know, 50, 60 years probably now. Um, and actually just for not sharing the political views of, of the world, no, it's they, 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 I don't think that they pose a threat to anyone. Um, obviously they pose a threat maybe to their own people by being a totalitarian regime, but outwards they, they don't. Um, and what this guy, I mean, obviously, this is just one person saying his view. And, and uh, uh, he he told me that that what these sanctions have done is that it created an elite of people that can actually import stuff. And you can travel and you, when you travel, you can bring something worth $15,000 with you. So they bring televisions that are sold in the U.S. for $100 and they are sold for $1,000 in, in Cuba because everybody wants to make money off this because flying out of Cuba and getting a visa is such a limited resource that that pushes the price of television. So he said, actually, what has happened here is that the government has managed to convince us that the enemy is, is, is America, not our government, because they are imposing these restrictions on our country just, from a just for political reasons, not for or ideology reasons, not for military or, or let's say threat reasons direct threat like that so it kind of felt like with with this guy at least he said like okay well you they turned us against the the 
it it worked the other way. And I'm thinking now with with Russia, it's 140, 50 million people. Um, it's not like some sort of a. It's not like we see in American movies that 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 there's a broken tractor and 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 everyone is wearing gray clothes. It's actually a very advanced society, and there's a lot of big cities, a lot of technology, a lot of the people there want something. You know, they are some of the biggest buyers of BMWs. They you know like they. These are not like poor people, all of them that can't do anything or can't afford anything. So I'm thinking, is there any risk that these these sanctions will actually, I don't know, t- turn them against us or that they just, okay, well, you're punishing us for something that we didn't do. We're going to support the guy. We're going to support Putin. Partially, I suppose so. Mm. Uh, but I, I, I would say that the strata of... Uh, Russian society that is uh, buying the BMWs is relatively limited mm. and has very different dynamics compared to the main uh, the, 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 the majority the majority mm. uh, and I'm I'm not sure about the what kind of dynamics is this going to uh, create. Uh, create what seems to be uh, uh, again written by uh, people who uh, understand the uh, Russian industry and uh, like consumer market better is that uh, uh, sooner rather than later uh, a lot of uh, things that were produced by Russia and actually there are not that many products mm-hmm. you can Mm. Uh, buy if you uh, if I would ask you to name a Russian product, uh, a Russian product you're Some using, uh, they're not that much, and it seems that uh, even part of the uh, of the industry is uh, large part of the industry is based on uh, uh, imports, so the machinery to extract mm. is being built in Russia, but using the equipment from mm-hmm. Japan, for mm-hmm. instance. Uh, so, so it will stop the industries. So, so it will it will stop the industries. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but what kind of dynamics would that create? I'm I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. I, I I tend to believe that uh, this would rather uh, uh, turn people against Putin, but it might be just a wishful thinking. Mm. Uh, but now. We are we are here sitting in the in the Czech Republic. We are as I've said I think earlier we're 800 kilometers from the border to to Ukraine and and uh, um, I have been here for 13 years. You've been here for 43 two years. Mm-hmm. Um, are you worried about this conflict that it will escalate and that it will affect us other ways than just financially and refugees and 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 these kind of let's say impacts that we already see. Well, right now uh, I'm worried about the, the uh, maturing reaction of the Czech society. Uh, currently, in the in the last uh, week or since the outburst of the conflict, uh, it seems very nice, very welcoming, uh, very generous. Uh, but uh, uh, as you've mentioned, the uh, the uh, Andrei Babish. Uh, it seems that uh, throughout last two or three days, he's already uh, bringing the arguments of uh, uh, 
taking the resources from Czechs to Ukrainian uh, as one of his main argument for the political campaign to become president. We're not supporting our own people. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. The, the same from uh, Ombudsman. Uh, Who's supposed to be neutral? <laughs> Who's supposed to be defending the human uh, rights? And, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so I'm worried because uh, if this uh, uh, is going to be longer, um, the support, uh, as you've mentioned, two days before the conflict, Ukrainians were not really uh, uh, having a good position in Czech society, to put it uh, Mildly, nicely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so th- this could really uh, decay uh, quite um, soon. And... Uh, some sort of xenophobia and especially if the stream of uh, refugees is going to be more intense which we can expect mm. uh, a few th- uh, hundred thousand people uh, being uh, mostly in Prague uh, could unfortunately uh, become a big uh, issue in mm. election campaigns and and uh, upcoming political struggle and, and people would turn against uh, Ukrainians which would Uh, be very unwelcomed but mm. uh, I'm afraid about it about the threat of uh, military invasion uh, well perhaps more with Baltics and I'm very <laughs> but if they would go to the Baltics if Russia would take Ukraine go to the Baltics why wouldn't they come here to the Czech Republic uh, they might mm. and uh, I have some uh belief or uh, I hope that uh, NATO is uh, relatively firm mm. uh, and I'm very happy to be part of NATO mm-hmm. uh, not only now but from the very beginning uh, those 20 years ago uh, but uh, yeah I, I see it as uh, a threat and uh, it has been part of the Uh, wild rhetoric we uh, sometimes not uh, take uh, uh, as a real thing uh, mm. throughout the last uh, 20 years yeah, yeah. Uh, even before the NATO accession actually mm. uh, but now it seems to listen to people or read people like uh, Alexander Dugin uh, is quite essential because uh, these are uh, People uh, putting more bluntly the, the, the plans and aspirations of, yeah. of, of Russia that uh, are really there. Mm-hmm. I I, um, I I I yeah I said I think uh, yeah we we touched on it before. I think it yeah it's, it's it's we cannot exclude that this becomes more and that that this turns into other areas and and affects us in other ways than it is doing already. Um, And I, I don't know, I often feel a little bit bad when we talk about this in a way because we are actually not really affected. Yeah, we're paying more for our fuel and we will pay more for bread or something like that. I mean, as it is now, I mean, the real effect is the people who have to run away from their home. It must be a horrible feeling. And I was thinking about it, to just to have to take your stuff, put it in the car or, or even or just go to the bus and say, okay, I'm going to take these two suitcases and the kids with me and I have to leave the dog behind or whatever. And ev- and your whole life is gone. Like it's not, and you never know if you're gonna go back there. You never know if you can put your kids back to school in your home country. And and it, the only silver lining on this 
the only silver lining is that we have to assume, because we need people, I mean, we've needed people not just here, but I think in Europe in general. The only silver lining is that these people are actually emigrating or running to countries that are not worse. They're not getting into worse situations in terms of social support and, and, and system and, and stuff like that. That's the only positive that that I could point at. But it's a hard it's yeah, it's hard to say even positive when when you think when you put yourself in those shoes because I, I've thought about it like what if I had to wake up in the middle of the night and go down to the garage and take the car and put suitcases in and, and drive? It's a horrible thought. Yeah, and th that's one thing. Uh, history education might uh, come not with a solution, uh, but uh, uh, with uh, some sort of support uh, to also imagination of mm. uh, of children. So studying uh, the way emigrants uh, were uh, accepted or rejected, uh, mm. even during the so-called uh, like wonderful years of the interwar uh, first republic. Uh, when it comes to uh, refugees, it was less uh, uh, nice uh, than than uh, most people think. Yeah. Uh, uh, but also the the expulsion of Germans and the atrocities uh, that were done throughout uh, mm -hmm. uh, the, the so-called white uh, wild expulsions. Not to speak about um, uh, Holocaust and uh, mm. uh, the Second World War. Mm. Uh, so, not to uh, like play some emotional games around it mm. with children, but rather see the these different reactions, uh, uh, the, the dynamics behind uh, and different motivations of different uh, social groups and mm. so on. Mm. Uh, and we can see from the from the reactions already like few years running this uh, history lab, uh, which uh, puts quite a lot of emphasis on uh, on this, uh, on these topics, uh, uh, that it makes uh, children think, mm -hmm. uh, makes uh, them think and compare uh, even to the COVID crisis as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. uh, but it usually uh, we are not seeing like short circuits uh, straight away yeah 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 straight to from from yeah. from seeing to to deciding or emotion or an impulse it 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 gives you more data to kind of base your yeah. reaction on and the, the yeah it's it's a bit detached because you're mm -hmm. not like feeling it you're not in in, in that in situation that, yeah, yeah. Uh, right now which i think is very important in today's day and age yeah, yeah. Because I think people go from experiencing to reacting very fast in general because it's usually one click away or you can just write asshole or whatever. But they, they you know, like I know it's a it's the biggest the biggest cliche of any historian. History repeats itself. Uh, you know, like do you think that like I don't know in 50 years from now that we will have another Soviet Union? That they will have taken over here, and there might be some empire mm. with some similar principles, but uh, not with s communism. Um, I, I, I'm not able to predict that, mm. uh, and uh, I suppose it's not about that much about uh, labeling. Like mm. this is 
so similar to uh, the Soviet Union that we can call it kind of Soviet Union, mm. uh, but as a tool of understanding. So these are the similarities, these are the differences, and then uh, the comparison is not uh, like making it equal, mm. uh, but rather uh, is it useful to, to compare? Mm. Um, because is the tool useful? And the same uh, applies to this totalitarian mm. uh, theory. Mm. Is it useful? I mean, all these battles around uh, totalitarian theory as being a tool of uh, the Cold War only uh, a very mechanical uh, ideological tool or a very uh, uh, good picture of the Soviet society. Mm -hmm. Well, from my point of view, the resolution is quite straightforward. Mm -hmm. Is it useful as a tool or is it not? Mm -hmm. If it's not, throw it away. Yeah. Choose another better tool. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're gonna throw that away and uh, hope. Let's hope that history doesn't repeat it, uh, repeat itself. In the about well, unlikely, it was there are so many moving parts and so many steps that need to be taken. But uh, uh, so historylabs.cz, uh, socialismrealized.eu. Any other pages or anything else on totalitarian regimes and things that are interesting for people? Well, there's a myriad of uh, uh, interesting things, but uh, when it comes to uh, historical thinking or historical mm. li literacy, I would definitely uh, uh, recommend uh, the Stanford History Education Group. Mm. I think they're doing wonderful business both uh, in uh, history education, but also in civics and their program on uh, disinformation or media literacy mm. called, called civics online uh, is wonderful mm -hmm. okay so uh, I guess guys I hope you enjoyed uh, check out check out the pages that uh, Wojtek has and uh, it's it's very interesting stuff and it gives a good kind of insight into the yeah, history obviously and maybe you can use that to make up your mind about what you think about current matters and how things will go um, so yeah, thanks for coming. Thanks as well. It was nice to be a bit out of comfort zone of uh, my expertise. <laughs> <laughs>